Thanks for listening to Middle Aged and Mediocre. I'm Cash. I'm Joe. And uh, we are a podcast about all things strange and unusual, death and UFOs, and other creepy, Cults, weird, random ghosts. stories. There you go. Yeah. No, uh, I'm just naming things in the room. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a cult of ghosts. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, we are middle-aged and mediocre. We sure are. And we are recording this on... Uh, 9-11. 9-11. Uh, Did you want to have a little bit more space there before you said it? I, I mean, I don't... I felt like I, like you were asking me, I'm oh, sorry, I'm like all trivia out, you know, I'm ready to like jump in there with the answer. I've been asking some pretty hard questions, like what is today? <laughs> it's a Friday. What is the significance? TGIF. What's the significance But not of this too day? much TGIF, because it is 9-11. It is, uh, so this is what, the 19th anniversary? Oh, God, 19. Right, 2001? Yep, 19th yeah. anniversary. So I started my job on the first anniversary. I started my job a month before the first anniversary. Oh, at the eye place, at yep. the glasses place. Yep. Wow. I know. So I'm old. I've so that's had how you the keep track of it. Job for yeah, pretty. I mean, yeah, because we went outside and we like had a we haven't since, but we had like you a moment of silence. <laughs> no, they don't let us. No, they had like a flag hanging there, like. We went outside, and we all stood there silently at the group, like, whenever the time the first plane hit. Mm. And, uh, and now, well, I did, uh, we lowered the flags today to half, half staff, half mass. Half mass. Half mass. I was wondering about that today. I Googled it, and that's what Google said. I think it's weird that, uh. Because it's Patriots Day, is what they call it now. Right, but I think it's weird that we do that. I think it's weird that we lower the flag, because, like, yeah. I think of, like, Raise that motherfucker Raising up, Raising it would mean, like, yeah. we're at the, like, like we're strong, right? Yeah. So but I guess they do it just to, like, honor, you know, those who've... Yeah. ...who've fallen. I, uh... How old was I then? 2001? I'd have been, uh... Math! 18-ish? 18-ish, yeah. How old are you now? 37. 37, yeah. 18. Yeah. Man, you're a pup. Something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what. So you I just got out of preschool. I honestly don't remember what I was doing. Really? Not really. Like, I remember. Like, I went driving around that day. Like, like how did you hear about it? Uh, I'm sure just on the news. Because we didn't had that. That was kind of before texting, cell phones, everything like that. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think you could have the TV on that day without. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it hit every channel. Yeah, so I, I mean, that's. I'm sure that's how. Because I was at work. I, uh, I was not at the movie theater. Or movie theater. I was not at the glasses place. I worked at a farmer's market. And my mm. cousin called me to tell me. We didn't have a radio, TV, anything there. It was like fruit right. and vegetables and fucking work, motherfucker. So I like begged my boss and he let me walk across the family dollar. And I bought a radio and took it back. And we just listened to it on the radio I all was... day. Like a bunch of people in the... 50s or something it was a weird way to because then i got off work and i saw all the images and oh, everything yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's... i uh, i think i had just started i had just quit the movie theater job not too long before that and uh-huh. i think i had just started like a telemarketing job 
which I then quit like a week later. Be and like one of the reasons I quit is because, I, like, I mean, at the time, you know, it was like a pretty, you know, it was the only thing you could possibly you could really think of. Yeah, like it kind of consumed your thoughts. Uh huh. And I remember somebody like whoever I called. Said, I'm sure they were just trying to like they'd be an asshole because a telemarketer was calling them, but they said something like really shitty about like it being a good thing. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I just remember I was like really fucking pissed off about it, <laughs> and like I just didn't want to. I, didn't, I mean, I also just didn't want that job anymore. Yeah. But, yeah. I just remember I was like, what the fuck? It was like a week. It was the same week. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I like I saw today that Paul Krugman. That political pundit analyst dude that's supposed to, you know, he's always comes across as this, like, well-educated, uh-huh. very intelligent, smart, you know, well-thought guy. He said a day about how when 9-11 happened, America really didn't panic, and there really wasn't any out, uh, uh, like, violence or striking out against Muslim Americans. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Like, that's all I heard about. Yeah, I was going like, to say, I remember. For, like, year. Yeah. And there's still probably, like, a stigma. And there's still, yeah. yeah. But and it could have been an inside job? I don't know. Well, you know. I'm not, I've seen some YouTube videos, but I'm no expert. What's the thing? Uh, something doesn't melt steel beams. Uh, uh, jet fuel doesn't yeah, melt steel beams. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, I mean, people died. You know, it's it, it was a shitty day. Yeah. I don't know what happened. There's a super weird flag right here on my street, like near my street. So weird. You said you saw it. Yeah, like they made it themselves. It's like a kind of patchwork. I don't know what it it looks like a giant blanket. Yeah, yeah. It kind of looks like a patchwork blanket. That's a good, yeah. But like instead of where the stars would be in the flag, they've got the towers. But it's just kind of, I don't know, just two, looks like, I don't, I thought it was 11. But yeah, I guess they were towers too. They're towers, yeah. Okay. The one's a little bit taller. All right. I was going by pretty fast. And then, like, there's black lines. And then a red, one a red, red line, and then a blue one. It's such a weird flag. Yeah, it's like black, white, <laughs> one red, one blue. Blue for police, red yeah. for fire, you know, the firemen. Yeah. And then, but it's like, the the towers part, for some reason, it's creepy. Yeah. I, I was going to get a picture of it, but there were people like, right behind me. But it's a very creepy flag. Did they just put it up today? Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't okay. up yesterday. I might so, have to wait for next year then. The it was year. It's, uh, it wasn't there. It hasn't been there before. Like this is their first I've year. Yeah, I've decided. never seen it. Saw a bunch of Trump signs. Yeah, that whole street. The uh, Captain America Trump banner. Well, I mean, if anyone is Captain America, yeah. it's the guy that makes me think of all the Reagan banners they used to do with like him as Superman. Oh yeah. And, oh wait, no, they didn't do that. I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> did they really? Oh yeah. Reagan as Superman? Oh, I'm positive. No. Are you fucking with me? I'm pretty sure. Oh. No, I'm really pretty sure. I've, okay, I'll believe you then. Because. I just don't think I've ever seen, like, politicians' faces, like, oh, superimposed. No. Trump is Reagan. Like, <clears throat> they mirror each other. Like, all the same shit that happened with, like, that's happening with Trump. Yeah. That shit's already all happened. It's already all happened with Reagan. That motherfucker. He's ju- he was just as fucking racist. Is there a Reagan Rambo? Because uh, I've seen Rambo, the Trump Rambo. I mean, at the time, no, because, I mean, there at the time. There can be, though, right? Wink. Yeah. <laughs> you make no, it? <laughs> they still, like, Trump supporters still look at Reagan as the greatest thing to ever live. Yeah. Until Trump. Next to Trump. Yeah, and then Nixon's right there, too. Yeah. So, 
like three of Trump the worst presidents in the history of our. Yeah, hopefully uh, Woodward can uh, bring down two of the three. I mean, probably not. No. At this point, if people are still like, They're dug it's in. a cult, man. We're dug in. We're dug in. It's cult mentality. It's fucking weird. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, well, who knows what the fuck's gonna happen? Not me. Well, you know, Biden. We're gonna, re- we're gonna record an episode. Biden might get elected and then die within a year. Yeah. I have no idea. We're going to have to put some bets out there. Or the dude's been like, I told somebody the other day that I'm pretty sure they've just been like pumping Biden full of like whatever to keep him alive. Yeah. And then right around the time like the we'll debates stop. pick up, they're just going to start injecting steroids. Maybe give him pills and, and like else. afterwards they're going to just give him sugar pills. Just something to keep going for a little <laughs> while. Just give him in the, get him into the White House. And then if he dies, he dies. Yeah. If he dies, he it's dies. <laughs> So yeah. Anyways, man, uh, did I have I told you yet that I think that I'm the best? No, that's not where I I was going with it. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, That I think my house is haunted. You have not told me, or that that. I have like there's something going on. I'm looking around now, and uh, I don't see any ghosts. Yeah, motherfucking liar. A few weeks ago, like actually a month and a half, two months ago, one of my cats started sitting up. In the window of the living room, like, looking out at the porch. And, like, just just spent all day. Yeah. Like, all day, all night, sitting in that window. Just transfixed. Looking out of the porch. Trans- meowing trans-fixed. really loud. So then, what, we didn't really think anything out of it. We thought, there's probably another cat out there. You know. Yeah. Whatever. He's fixed, but he still might, you know. Maybe he has, like, a ghost pains, or what do they call those? <laughs> I have no idea. Phantom, pa- phantom uh, pains, or like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we really didn't think anything about Phantom it. Phantom cat dick loom. Well, then all of a sudden, my dog started, he refuses to go out on the porch. He's always, for six years now, uh-huh. he goes outside to pee and everything. He goes out He's a good boy. on the porch and goes outside. Yeah. Well, now he will not go on the porch. Oh. And he really won't be in the living room. He stays backed into the corner or in one of the bedrooms. Oh. And if he is out... Like, backed into the corner of the living room. He's, like, just staring towards the porch. So, we thought maybe something died under the porch, uh-huh. but we can't, you can't smell anything. Sure. People kept saying that they there's probably a snake nest, or a nest of snakes, which Ooh. I googled, and, like, only a few snakes lay eggs, and yeah. the rest, like, a nest of them is just a shitload of fucking snakes. Uh-huh. So, like, I took my camera out there, like, used a... Use a little tripod and like I held it up to the top of the porch and like filmed everywhere. Yeah, there's no snakes because uh, people said dogs can smell snakes and they're fear- afraid of them. But then I guess that's not even completely true. So, anyways, so that you know, a couple weird things with the animals. Yeah, uh, the normal stuff of like the cats like looking and just staring at something. Yeah, nothing. You know, nothing normal, there. They're normal just... stuff. Well, now I've started. Hearing things. Uh, the other morning, I had been awake for like 15, 20 minutes, just laying in bed. Uh-huh. And I all of a sudden, right outside my door, heard a male voice say, like, get up or giddy up. Something like that. Like, really fucking loud. And, like, I mean, it sounded like it was something right out my door. Like, yeah. right outside. So I, like, jumped up, went, opened the door, nothing there. Uh, then the other night I'm in the bathroom 
And right as I'm about to what open... What were you doing in there? No, jerking off. And right as I'm... <laughs> so I'm in the bathroom. Right as I'm about to open the bathroom door, I hear, like, uh, the only way I can describe it is, like, so, like, the way, like, a frog croaks. Yeah. Like, whatever, just, like... Like, so, like, that, yeah. but, like, like, somebody was speaking in that. So, like, words, but, like, in that, yeah, that sound. Yeah, real so, like, kind of uh, 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 baritone or whatever. And then I heard, like, a woman's voice say, stop it. I'm the only one here. Yeah. So I open the door, there's nothing. I don't... So I was like, what the fuck? And then, for years, the kitchen cabinets open, there's open. Yeah. Only at night, I've always just assumed it's the cats that's opening the cabinets. Sure. But we've never, ever seen the cats actually go in there and open the doors. They've never done it in the never day. Never during the day. It's always at night. It's almost dark, <laughs> and uh, it's been a lot of fun recording this week's episode, so I'm going to so, go. So, I might have my my own haunting we can eventually talk like. Wow. Now, there's an app on iPhones that uh, can read paranormal activity. Really? <laughs> my is, boss. Is that true? My, I don't know if it, I don't think it really works, but my boss, like, years ago, one of our buildings on our, where we, where I work on the property, there's, like, an old house that eats for storage. He, she, like, brought someone in to do a seance, and I was like, all right, I gotta see this, and I walk over there, and she's, like, using an iPhone. And just like, oh, this room's clear. Like, there was, like, some, like, app on the iPhone she was using that was letting her know. And I can't remember everything she said, but it was, like, you know, creepy basement. Of course, that's where everything was. And There's e, uh, EVP recorders yeah. and EMF uh, detectors. Oh, man. So when we're done here, maybe turn the lights off, uh, take our pants off, <laughs> and try to catch some ghosts. Get a little comfortable. <laughs> There's, like, a paranormal investigation simulator. I don't know. It's, I believe in that shit. I mean, I something. I mean, you, you had know, spirits that, you had or that whatever. Shit, where there was like dead flies. Oh, I forgot time. all about that shit. I think about it all the time. Really? Because it's the weirdest shit ever. Yeah, I came. Yeah, last summer I came home from work on lunch, and I mean, twenty-five dead flies just in my bathroom, all in the same spot. Yeah, man, that was crazy. That was so fucking weird. Like flies don't just die in a. Bun- like in a bundle. When yeah, they could be flying around my apartment and like why would a swarm of flies just all drop Man, down? Why'd you spot? have to drop that on me now? I, you don't think about it I all can't time. stay here. I can't go <laughs> home. Looks like I'm sleeping in my car again. No, I think about it all the time. Oh it's shit. So fucking weird. When was that? I yeah, think that I posted been about last it or time, something. Like yeah. last year. Because it's really hot. Because we were like, maybe because it was hot. And I was like, it's no hotter today than yesterday. And again, and like, like they all just dropped dead yeah, together. Yeah, I think flies have been in the heat. I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. Because oh. like, it seemed like I said at the time, like somebody put them there. Yeah. Which opens up all sorts of questions. What if I just like search for flies on my Facebook <laughs> if I could find something about it? Ah, oh, man, how did I forget about that? I had no idea. I guess you just like pushed it down deep but i think that we had a i think i lived in a haunted house in south carolina there it is july 9th 2019 so a, a dozen or so ago. dead flies on my bathroom floor there were zero dead flies on my bathroom floor when i left the house four hours prior yeah you had pictures too i think right yeah yeah there it is yeah it's there's just dead flies all over my bathroom it's like floor. something like it, it looks like gas or something went through your house your apartment and like gas them. 
Maybe I took a big old stinky steamer. <laughs> That's the part you're leaving out. <laughs> I don't think I pooped in 2019, though. That's true. You were uh, <laughs> you were on the no poop. Yeah, that was my uh, that was my New Year's then. resolution. It was weird. I'm glad I'm like, that, I've had enough of this shit. I'm glad that finally ended. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> 2020's been so shitty. <laughs> That's the extra shit. Yep, I, oh, I opened the gates. <laughs> so you you were haunted in South you had a haunted house in South Carolina? Yeah. Um just same thing. Weird stuff would happen, like uh cabinet doors open. My mom tells a story of uh she was home alone. Like we uh us three boys had the master bedroom or the biggest bedroom, the the main bedroom. Right. And it had a bathtub with a sliding glass door. And my mom was home, and, like, uh, she heard it fall and break. She went and checked on it, and, or something that sounded like it, and it wasn't broken. She went back, you know, whatever she's doing, heard it again, went in there, and it was broken. That's weird. Yeah, and we had a, uh, the washer and dryer would, like, just, like, the washer would just turn on. And, like, my we had a dog named Lassie that was a Border Collie. You know, like, best dog ever. But, like, my dad tried to get her to go out in the garage with her to check the washer. And she wouldn't go. And we found out that the girl that lived there died. And, like, uh, she was – because her best friend still lived across the street. And, you know, they, they told us about it. So, I don't know. And I think I may have seen her at the window once. But, I'm not, you know, it's so long ago. Yeah. But I, I just remember, like, walking down the hall – and, like, seeing her, like, in what was her bedroom, looking across the street at, like, her best friend's house. Mm. And, like, I mean, as a kid, I was, like, pretty damn sure that I saw it. But, you know, I'm 41, pretty jaded now. But right. I, like, definitely felt something in that house. It always felt off, felt weird. You yeah, know, I, I mean, she did want... die. I mean, that was, like, a true thing. Like, she, they moved and then she died. But she always loved, like, living there because her best friend was across the street. You right. know, and so forth, so forth. Yeah, I always want that stuff to be true. Yeah. Like, that would just be way more interesting than the life we live in. I told that story in junior high, and uh, kids, they made fun of me for it. Because <laughs> this is like after I moved, I moved to a high, and I'm just trying to make friends, you know. I'm like, oh, in the house. Look, like I had a ghost friend. They called me Robert Stack. <laughs> That's all mysteries. That's a weird insult, though. <laughs> like, kids fucking suck. All right, I'm a super <laughs> successful dude that has his own show. Burn. <laughs> yeah. I always thought that would be. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I lived. I lived in a house. What? Uh, it was my fifth grade year because it was the year that we got, uh, the like fucking feet of snow. I forget how many feet it uh-huh. was. And half of fifth, my like the rest of my year was basically just us watching movies because we missed so much. Yeah, it was school. like mid nineties. Yeah, but I lived in a house. We only lived there for like a year, and I remember I heard I heard stuff constantly. I heard yeah. voices all the time. Uh, and it was only me and my mom that lived there. And I, yeah, just me and my mom. And there were voices all the time. Uh, you hear voices in your head? Just they speak to me. <laughs> uh, there was like random uh, uh, doors would open and shut all like yeah. all night long. There was like random knocking, Man. all this stuff. And then I remember I was behind, out back. There was like, right out back, there was just like a little tiny little patch of woods. Uh huh. And I would go out there sometimes. And on the back of the house one day, uh, it just it was it was it was not there one day, and then the next day I went outside, and on the back of the house somebody had carved in the word "leave." What on the house? And it scared the shit out of me. Well, yeah. And like we didn't live there much longer after that. Like I don't know if I like I remember how, why we moved exactly. We just like I think my mom heard shit too. Yeah. But didn't want to scare me, so I think she was trying to. 
So yeah. Man, we're just talking this shit into existence now. The more you believe in it. This is a lead up because tonight's episode Oh shit, more ghosts We're gonna talk about America's first ghost. Don't know if you uh, have ever I heard. Like of a, I need like an emotional. Su- Do you think Scooby Doo was an emotional support dog? I think Shaggy was an emotional support human for <laughs> Scooby Doo. Okay. Yeah, I think that's more because Scooby could talk, so he was he knew what was going on. He did. So, but he was trying to deal with that. He was like, "I'm the only dog that can talk," <laughs> <laughs> and this guy's high all the He's time. Like, so I've got a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. These fucking humans representing like a whole crimes. species. <clears throat> then, yeah, it's not enough that he can talk. And Scrappy showed up. <laughs> <clears throat> kind of just ruined everything yeah. for Scooby. That's like Oliver showing up on the Brady Bunch. Yeah, fucking cousin Oliver. Oliver. I don't remember that. Oh. I, mean, I remember, like, yeah. I know it happened, but I don't. I don't, ever, I don't remember watching it. Uh, I think it was a little before Brady my time. Bunch. I, I mean, I watched reruns. <laughs> I wasn't like I don't watch. Reruns. It wasn't down between me and the other guy for <laughs> Oliver. Like, I wasn't up for the role. <laughs> I watched reruns. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure that's not why you're bringing it up? You don't have repressed feelings about losing out to oh man that yeah. kid. If I would have been a ginger, fuck, I could have been Cousin Oliver. Shit, I could have been if I would have born a little bit earlier. Yep. So, yeah, we're going to talk about... Butts, baby. Or sex. <laughs> butts, like, baby. Let's talk about butts, sex. So we're going to go way, way <laughs> back to April 25th, 1776. Jesus. When David and jo- uh, Joanna, Joanna Hooper's second child, Eleanor, was born. Uh, David was a veteran of the American Revolution... And was now Thank you for your service, David, you. if you're listening. And was now settled down and living in East Franklin, Maine, uh, with his wife Joanna, their first child, and now Eleanor. Eleanor was the second of nine children that Joanna gave birth to Dang. in a span of nine years. They'd be fucking. Just fucking. <laughs> Although, I wonder if they just fucked like once a year. Yeah. Like, just once, boom, did it, popped out Damn. another one. Because that dude was like a war veteran, so, you know. Yeah. He had the right stuff. Uh... <laughs> The right white stuff. Eleanor came to be known around town as Nellie, and at the age of 19, she met a young sea captain named George Butler. A sea captain. Sea captain. That would be, uh, I always feel like that would be the worst job in the world back then. You're just on the oh, goddamn sea yeah, back all the then time. Too. I don't think they had walkie-talkies and So easy to get Communication lost. back then. No. Uh, like, if you run to a wall, just come back. We don't know what's out there. There could right. be, like, a wall. We know, dragons could you be You might fall there. off. I don't know. Is it flat? No <laughs> Look. Uh, his father, Moses, had also fought in the American Revolution and was regarded as one of the first English settlers in Franklin, Maine. Uh, Nellie and George married and lived on Butler Point in Franklin. So, must have been, like, the family, I think, owned a sawmill. So, I mean, the, the property they lived on was named after them. Yeah. I mean, if, I guess if you settle the land, you get to name it whatever the fuck you want. If you have more than five kids, they just give you land. True. Or uh, they used to. Nellie became pregnant two years after their marriage, but died on June 13th, 1797, from complications stemming from childbirth. Ugh. And she was buried on Butler Point in an unmarked grave, which seems shitty to me. Yeah. Like, man, it wasn't her fault. Yeah, they're very mad about it. Yeah, so... What happened to the baby? So, uh, we bring up Nellie, and now she's dead. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if you can already see where that's going or not, but... uh, Zombies? We're going to take an ad break. Okay. And then we're going to come right back, and we'll keep going with the story of America's First Ghost. All right. So, 
Uh, yeah, Nelly's dead, uh, leaving George Butler. The kid died too. Oh. Uh, the kid died during childbirth, actually, and then she died like a day later. So yeah, and then he just like throws her in an unmarked grave. Unmarked grave. I don't know if that was a custom thing. Were they tombstones back then? Like, I feel like he would have to be upset. Like, he'd have to hold some sort of like hostile feelings against her to be like, you don't get a fucking headstone. Because the family was wealthy, too. They could have afforded... Yeah, like, even if he didn't want one, the parents or somebody. Right. So, the dude, though, uh, this is George. Two years later, 29-year-old George would meet and begin a relationship with 15-year-old Lydia Blaisdell. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Gulp. Uh, which, at first, I thought, like, oh, it's 1797. Well, this time, I guess it'd be 1799. Still, yeah, back 29 and 15. Then I looked into it, and, like, uh, no one was cool with that, even then. Yeah. So, yeah. You're a grown-ass man. Uh, Lydia lived with her parents, of course. Abner, <laughs> Abner and Mary, about 10 miles down the road from George, uh, and they lived in Sullivan, Maine. She was the second of seven children. Abner Blaisdell was also a veteran of the American Revolution, I'm assuming just every yeah. guy over a certain age. Unless you had bone spurs. Oh, you had bone spurs. And your whittle, your whittle feet couldn't yeah, take it. Yeah, if whittle, whittle, tiny feet couldn't, <laughs> couldn't help American Revolution, uh, stay home. Uh, he was a veteran of the American Revolution and was a very religious person. The family prayed together and sought to live their lives right in the eyes of God. Uh, Abner was not super cool with the fact that 29-year-old George was putting 29. moves on his 15-year-old daughter. And the town of Sullivan was pretty small, with only a handful of families living there, and no one in the community was actually very keen on this relationship happening either. Like George. Is that his name, George? He's like the only one, the two in the relationship. And Abner made it very clear. He was very vocal about his, disappro- yeah. his disapproval for this thing. So, he, you know, he let everyone know, like, I'm not, I don't want this to happen. Uh, so Lydia spent most of 1799... In the cellar of her home, sorting and picking wool fleece. Uh, which sounds like a hell of a way to spend your time. Sure. In December of 1799, she became very ill and bedridden. It was during this time that she began to hear knocking sounds coming from the cellar. She told her father, who went and searched the cellar for the source of these sounds, uh, but ultimately he found nothing. Just to be on the safe side, though, Abner gathered the family to pray... And they prayed that if, if these noises were some form of deception, God would make them aware of the deception. But if the noises were coming from God himself, they prayed that the noises remain. Yeah. We've all done that. Keep on keep on knocking, God. You know, yeah, God, if you started it up, knock, keep knock, it going, knocking brother. on my cellar door. <laughs> uh, the knocking continued, and now it wasn't only Lydia who could hear it, but the whole family. Oh. Along with this... Uh, around the they same were time like, Who's there? that this started happening, she started getting better. Um, not too long after the knocking had began, the family started to hear a disembodied woman's voice as well. It was also coming from the cellar. At first, they couldn't understand what it was saying, and for about a month, they would hear the knocking and the voice, but could never find anything while searching the cellar and the rest of the home. Uh, the voice would move all over the cellar, though. It would just be in different corners of the cellar, just all over the place. And eventually, the woman's voice claimed to be on a mission from God. Then, on January 2nd of 1800, a female ghost, 
glowing and shrouded in white, would appear to the family, telling them that she was the ghost of Nellie Butler. So Nellie's back. She's back. She's back from the grave. She's uh, like, y'all should have marked me. And why was she there? Uh, what was the mission she was on? you have any guesses what she's doing there? She's, uh, she's mad that her husband's taken up with the 15-year-old. The opposite. Oh. She's there to ensure that Lydia and George get married. Oh. She actually ordered She's like the winged man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Winged man. Because she's right. an angel. Yeah. She's a ghost. She's a winged person. Yeah. Uh, quote, f- quoting the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the parties must and would be joined. And what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. This is coming from a ghost. So, I mean... <laughs> I feel I like, you know, picture a reporter there with, like, the hat with the feather in it, like, writing it down, like, all hurriedly. Joined together, okay? <laughs> uh, and this is from God. This is from Paige right here! Uh, and now, uh, Abner, who had uh, been super opposed to a relationship yeah. of any sort between Lydia and George, uh, he came around on the whole thing. <laughs> ghost will do that to you. He thought it was the will of God. Yeah. So he was like, who the fuck am I? To stand in the way of God. Uh, the ghost of Nellie Butler then ordered Abner and Lydia to go speak. Bossy with, ghost. To go speak with George's father, Moses, and let him know what was happening and that she wanted George and Lydia to be married. Uh, and to really hammer home that this was God's doing, she directed them to recite a specific scripture to George's father. It, say, it states For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So, you know, they were like, only a ghost (laughs) put here by God Uh would know the scripture. Yeah. So how else would they know these words? So, uh, yeah, so I think it's this. This is also super weird. Like how I know it's still I'm sure it's I've never proposed. Uh I've never went through the whole marriage thing. I'm sure people. Hey, still... hey! For real quick, yeah, don't, don't do it. Okay. okay. I didn't know how you felt about. I it. just wanted to get that out there. I wouldn't. I'm sure some people still do the whole thing Uh-oh. of like getting approval from. Oh, ask like it. a blessing. Yeah. But how weird is it that it used? Man, to I got be lucky because like, my wife's dad, you know, he's dead. Just mm. yeah, no one to ask. How weird is it though that it used to be like? Soon to be ex-wife. We have to get like the parents have to be like. Sign off on this, or yeah. it can't happen. Yeah, because if you went ahead and did it, you'd be like shunned. Disrespect. Yeah, so weird. Anyways, either ask the dad or have a ghost convince them. Yeah, that's well. It's the only so, two ways. Uh, Abner and Lydia immediately embarked on the journey to Franklin, Maine. Again, it's only about ten miles away, but this is uh, the year eighteen hundred. So it took like three weeks. So, uh, <laughs> it's and, goddamn yeah, Oregon Trail. And, you, know, you don't have cars and everything. It's also they're, they're happening like, to do they're this. Like, Pack up the dysentery. Let's go. Uh, they're doing this in the middle of a blizzard. Oh, this is definitely Oregon Trail. And they even had to walk on sheets of ice to cross the Tauntaun River. So that, you know, this is like a fucking, like... The ghost sent them out on a 10-mile hike during a blizzard over a frozen uh, lake or whatever. Like, yeah, they're, like, crossing sheets of ice. Like, Jesus. this is like a full-on expedition. Yeah. Uh, during the trip... Lydia expressed that she was not really feeling the whole marriage thing and questioned why they were following orders from a ghost. Yeah. But then during the trip, the ghost of Nellie appeared to Lydia 
and consoled her and urged her to press on through the storm yeah. and carry out the word of God. So, get, get that dick, girl. In times of doubt, there's the ghost. Uh, when they finally, I already have this case solved. What's the what? George is the ghost. George is the ghost. Yeah, That's what you think it's going on? They're gonna take the mask off, and it's been George <laughs> the whole time, and he would have got away with it if it weren't for us. I mean, one does wonder why uh, uh, the ghost of Nellie is making them travel. Yeah, she can suppose she can apparently just show up. Just go middle sh- of the journey. Talk to George. Just go all the way to Moses. Yeah, you or do, Moses. You do the fucking trip, Nelly. You prove it. Like she's, you know, I thought she was like hard to deal with when she was alive. <laughs> now she's dead. It's gone to her head. <laughs> she's bossing everybody around. Uh, so yeah, so they finally get to George's father's house. They tell him the whole story. They recite the scripture. <laughs> uh, and George's father, by the way, he's. Oppose this whole fucking marriage thing too. Uh-huh. Like he's also like, you're 29 years yeah. old. God damn it! Like she's 15. What the fuck's wrong with you? I didn't raise you to be no petty pedophile. So yeah, he is not cool with it either. Uh, and after listening to what Abner and Lydia had to say, uh, he basically told them to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't buying. Fuck his office. He wasn't buying any of it, uh, and was actually disgusted that they would show up and feed him some sort of story about his dead daughter-in-law uh. returning as a ghost. I mean, that does have to be pretty awkward. Like, take that shit up the road, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like Moses. Yeah. So, however, after they left... Is this before or after he split the sea? This is after. Okay. He's been retired from sea splitting for a little while while now. (laughs) Sea Uh, splitting. He split the sea, fought in the American (laughs) Revolution. He's called it a day. Had a couple kids. So, he starts to have second thoughts, though. Because he knows that Abner is really opposed to this whole thing. So he starts to wonder why, and he can't think of an explanation as to why uh, Abner would risk his own life and his daughter Lydia's life to make this trip during this, the middle of this blizzard mm-hmm. to suddenly encourage a marriage that he'd been so opposed to. So this gets Moses thinking, like, it's, you know, it's a lot of effort yeah. for this. So as soon as Abner and Lydia return home, uh, they begin hearing the knocking coming from the cellar once again. Uh, and Nellie shows up. So they get back. <laughs> hey, how'd it go? Yeah. Moses uh, <laughs> is pretty pumped about this we wedding. This? <laughs> Y'all set a date? You know, and they, no, he's not cool with it. Like, he told us to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, I mean. He threw things at us. Uh, so now she says, all right, uh, well, go see David Hooper, which is her father. Uh, and then go see George. And arrange for them to come and see me in person. <laughs> and I'll I'll put this whole thing to rest. Yeah. So they're like, you know, we just got back from a fucking 10-mile Yeah, it's kind journey. of snowing out there. Do you mind if we take a goddamn break? <laughs> <laughs> so the next morning, uh, they make the trip, though, to yeah. David Hooper's. They tell David the story. They told him that Nellie wanted uh, him to come see her at the home. And David's just like, yeah, that's, yeah, sure. Sounds mm-hmm. good. I'll yeah. head that way. So he's headed that way. They go on, find George, tell George same thing. George is like, "Yeah, man, I'm, I'm why they should try to call somebody. Yeah, <laughs> they need to invent phones." <laughs> yeah. So then he agrees to it too. He's like, "Yeah, that's fine." So uh, David arrives at the home first, and according to his own testimony, uh, so later we'll find out that there's this traveling evangelist guy uh, that shows up and he ends up like taking a bunch of people's testimony 
And he later would, like, in 1859, he'd publish a book. Here's the title of this goddamn thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Immortality Proved by the Testimony of Sense, colon, in which is contemplated the doctrine of specters and the existence of a particular specter addressed to the candor of this enlightened age. That is a lot. I don't even know. Show up on Amazon <laughs> yeah. looking for a book. Uh, his name <laughs> That's was, hard to remember. Yeah, his name was Abraham Cummings, though. He was like a, he was a Harvard graduate. Um, smart dude, like I said, an, an evangelist, whatever. So he like he gathers all this testimony. And according to David Hooper, uh, Nellie's father, uh-huh. his own testimony, he's greeted by the ghost of his dead daughter. And he says that, quote, Clean your room. Uh, by the request of the specter sent by two messengers, I went to Abner Blaisdell's house and by conversing with her obtained such clear and irresistible tokens of her being the spirit of my own daughter as gave me no less satisfaction than admiration and delight. She gave a reason satisfactory to me why she put me to the trouble of coming there instead of her coming to my house. So he's like, Hey, this is a real fucking deal. Yeah. She's it's her. Uh, not too long after David had conversed with the ghost of his daughter, George arrived at the Blaisdell house, and he's got his friend uh, Frederick Halzov with him. Frederick. They go into the cellar and they meet with Nellie's ghost. Uh, according to uh, quoting George here, when I was called to talk with this voice, I asked, "Who are you?" It answered, "I was once your wife." The voice asked me, "Do you remember what I told you when I was alive?" I women, man, women always, man, that eat, oh, always. <laughs> Do you remember? Do you? Huh? Remember what I said? I bet you don't remember what I said. You weren't even listening. Oh, all right. Well, to support her theory, uh, I answered, I do not really know what you mean. <laughs> the voice said, Remind me a little bit. Do you not remember I told you I did not think I should live long with you? I told you that... If you were to leave me, I should never wish to change my condition. But that if I was to leave you, I cannot blame you if you did. This pass between... So then he goes on to say, This pass between me and my first wife, while she was alive, and there was no living person within hearing but she and myself. And I am sure that this was never revealed to any person, and no living person could have told me... Could have told it to me before the voice did. So he's like, yeah, I totally remember when she said that. Yeah. And it was just us. <laughs> she probably didn't have any friends that she also told that she didn't think. Yeah. You know. No one heard it. So then he keeps going and he says, uh, there was something appeared to my view right before me, like a person in a winding sheet and her arms folded under the winding sheet and on her arm there appeared to be a very small child. By this appearance, I did not know possibly, but I might be deceived. I reached out my left hand to take ho- to take hold of it. I saw my hand in the middle of it, but f- could feel nothing. The same evening it appeared and disappeared to me three times. So he says that, you know, the ghost shows up, he reaches out, his hand goes right through it. Uh-huh. So we've got the Blaisdell family saying this is legit. Yep. We've got Nellie's dad saying it's legit. Moses. George saying it's legit. No, Moses. Oh, wait, not Moses. Moses George's dad. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, so then in his own testimony, Frederick Halzov, George's friend who accompanied him, confirmed that he had seen George Butler place his hand on the apparition of Nellie Butler and, quote, saw his hand pass through it. Oh. So now we got some more people that are like, yeah, this is all fucking legit. Yeah, I saw it. I <clears throat> seen it. Uh, so now, Nellie's father, David, 
takes off and goes to visit Moses. Uh, he tells him that, you know, hey, it turns out Abner and Lydia aren't full of shit, and that the ghost of his dead daughter is in their cellar. Uh, he says that he spoke with her himself, and he believes it, and now George's dad, oh. And so then George's dad, Moses, is like, like, what do you want from me? Well, just fucking do it. Like, he's like, yeah, let's just go ahead and do this then. He's like, I guess. Uh, so he himself goes to Blaisdell's home and gives his approval for the marriage. Uh, even after all of this, neither father is happy about the, about it, though. Yeah. Uh, but they're now both reluctantly supporting it. The marriage was set to take place at Butler's Point on May 29th of 1800. So word got out about the marriage, and the locals were not happy that a 15-year-old was <laughs> going to be marrying a 29-year-old. But they, have they heard about the ghost? Well, so then they were pretty fucking shocked to hear that Nellie Butler had not only returned as a ghost, but that it was her ghost that was behind the arrangement of the marriage. You're just being haunted by your ex-wife. So, rightfully so. Uh, many were skeptical, and some started to believe that it was Lydia who was faking the entire thing to trick her and George's father into allowing their marriage. Other believed it was a demon of some sort, uh-huh. or possibly some sort of necromancy. So, Sally Wentworth, uh, one of Nellie's sister, sisters, was very skeptical of the whole thing, and visited the Blaisdell home with her husband. She said of the spirit, quote, We heard the sound of knocking. Lydia spoke, and a voice answered, the sound of which brought fresh to my mind that of my sister's own voice. But I could not understand it at all, though it was within the compass of my embrace, and had it been a creature with, that actually breathed, it would have breathed in my face. I passed through the room, which led to the cellar into another room, and there I was much surprised when I plainly understood the same voice, still speaking in the cellar, which said the words, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. From this time, I cleared Lydia as to the voice and accused it of being the devil. It was her. It was an opinion she would hold until her dying day. Her uh, Nellie's voice, or the voice she heard, yeah. sounded like the voice of her sister when uh, her sister had been on her deathbed. So she's just like, that's a that's the fucking devil. Yeah. Like, you got a demon in this goddamn house pretending to be my sister. Uh, but people continued to visit the home after hearing about the ghost of Nellie. At the insistence of one of the Blaisdell sons, uh, Captain Paul Simpson happened to visit the home on the same day that Sally had been there. As was becoming customary by now, they went down into the cellar, put out the dim candlelight, and waited for the knocks. Nellie began knocking as expected, and when Paul spoke to her... Sorry. <laughs> it was like a, Keep like, on knocking, but you can't come in! It was very jazzy. Yeah. Skip it a boop. Make no one answer. When Paul spoke to her, she replied the same words as those she spoke to Sally earlier, earlier that day. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye Wah. the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I don't know what the I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness yeah. thing is. And I think it's kind of like, it's suspect that uh, it seems like on certain days, like the, the ghost just says the same shit to everybody. No, she they... comes up with one line. She's uh. like, that's the one I'm going with today. <laughs> yep. So, uh, now the guy who gathered all the testimonies don't we're talking about, um, Abraham Cummings, he theorized in a later letter on the subject that he believed the reason Nellie would knock to announce her presence 
was the same reason why a visitor would knock on someone's front front door. She's got manners. And that she only answered upon being spoken to because she wanted to avoid startling anyone. Uh, pretty, you know, uh, friendly ghost. Friendly ghost. Yeah. yeah. Nelly the friendly ghost. <laughs> uh, this measure of thoughtfulness extended further, according to Cummings, being also the reason why Nelly would generally only appear in the cellar yeah. because, you know, she didn't want to... Uh, uh, interrupt or to uh, intrude on the private chambers of the rest of the house. Yeah. So, you know, she's like, I'm not just going to show up in the fucking bedrooms. Yeah, I could be I doing manners. anything. Yeah. Uh, in, gener- uh, in general, this was a courtesy observed fairly faithfully <laughs> by the spirit. However, she did reportedly also appear in other spots around the town and on a handful of occasions visited houses as far as five miles from the farm. Which I'm sure is not just people being like, I also went in. Yeah. Uh, her operations, however, were not always indoors. Paul Blaisdell testified to seeing the spirit in the fields around the home in the latter half of January. Sometimes you gotta get out and stretch them ghost legs. Well, he had been one of the ones, uh, even though he was a part of the family, he had been very outspoken against this whole thing. He would tell everybody in town, this is all bullshit. Uh, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. But then he says, quote, I particularly observed that she never touched the ground. She appeared as white as possible. The next evening, she reproved me in the hearing of several persons because I had not spoken to her and because I had spoken against her. She told me she had come on God's errand and that if I opposed her, I opposed him who sent her. The spirit asked me if I lived in such a manner as I would wish to die. So now the ghost is fucking uh, threatening people. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and this was apparently outside. That was her brother. Uh, right? Well, was, uh, Lydia's brother. Oh, Lydia's brother. So, now, uh, Lydia apparently still had some reservations about the whole marriage thing. She reportedly told her friends about having doubts about everything, and she discussed plans of running away before the marriage. Uh, she had relatives in New York and was planning on stowing away on a ship to go and stay with them. She eventually told George of these plans... And she broke off their engagement and relationship. Nelly gonna be pissed! So, but at this point, though, George was pretty fucking stoked that he was gonna be marrying a 15-year-old. Yeah. Because George is a scumbag. He's pretty gross. Yeah. So, he uh, protested this whole thing about her ending he the relationship. He doused the protest. But Lydia held strong and remained firm in her plans to leave Go, Maine. girl! However... Oh, no. The ghost of Nellie Butler then appeared to Lydia apparently in front of several witnesses, and urged her to stay by basically threatening that no matter where she went, she would haunt her. And so, on the 29th of May, Lydia Blazell married George Butler. The day after their marriage, Nellie visited the newlyweds and delivered a message to them. She claimed that Lydia would become pregnant and give birth to just one child before succumbing to an uh, untimely death. Much in the same fashion that Nellie herself had been taken from the world. Yeah. And with that, the Blaisdell cellar grew quiet for some time without any sightings of Nelly, Nellie's ghost uh, or sounds of knocking. This absence lasted for 63 days. And then Nellie's ghost became a fucking event. <laughs> like, she started selling out the house. Yeah. She would draw in more people than I've wrestled in front of wrestling shows. Yeah. Like, she's... Her shit was drawing more than, like, stand-up shows have drawn. Like, wow. 
Uh, on at least 29 occasions in August of 1800. Who books that? She was witnessed by over 100 people. The ghost would invite visitors into the cellar. Abner Blaisdell would blow out the candle. Come on down. And then a series of knocks would announce the arrival of Nellie's ghost. So many people started showing up at the Blaisdell home for a chance to see the ghost that the cellar would routinely be packed with crowds. Nellie's ghost would talk to the crowd for two to three hours at a time. What a cellar. About a number of topics. It was like she was suddenly performing. Yeah. Uh, which, so like, how would you feel if like two shows this weekend, somebody gets a hold of you and like, Hey, uh, we got an opening spot for you, uh, right before the ghost. Like, would you be, would you be down for that? Like, just don't, I don't want to talk to the ghost, man. (laughs) Well, the ghost isn't going to talk to you, Joel. You're the opener. Okay. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, she's doing like two to three nights a week. Like (laughs) these are, yeah, she's, there's not a lot going on in 1800. That's true. Netflix was still a couple years away. So during you know, these visitations... They're going to go see some ghosts. <laughs> a couple years away. couple. During these visitations, she was not always visible to everyone in the room at the same time. At times, she never appeared at all. On others, she appeared only to a select few. And then others, standing mere feet away, saw nothing. She always appeared wearing a glowing white dress or a shroud. And at times, she wore a cap and others not. Sometimes she was seen cradling the body of her dead baby in her arms. Oh, Jesus. Uh, her, uh, Mary Gordon described uh, one of her shows in a te- later testimony. Quote, At first the apparition was a mere mass of light, then grew into a more personal form, about as tall as myself. We stood in two ranks about four or five feet apart, between these ranks, she slowly passed and repassed, so that any of us could have handled her. When she passed by me, her nearness was that of contact, so that if there had been a substance to touch, I should, I should have certainly felt it. The glow of the apparition had a constant, tremulous motion. Uh, Nellie's, go- Nellie's voice would flitter across the room, instantaneously moving from a distance of twelve, of ten to twelve feet from the spectators. Uh, at other times, she'd be, like, right in the ear of oh, somebody. Yeah. It would just be all over the place. All of this activity invited many skeptics. Uh, some professed that the voice of the spirit was merely the voice of Lydia Blaisdell. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, Nellie addressed this directly by... she. uh It's me. She would send Lydia away in yeah. front of the skeptics. Uh, quote, about 14 persons, by the direction of the specter, went into the cellar. As soon as they were there, the specter said to Lydia Blaisdell... Go up and sit with the others on the kitchen hearth, that this company may know that it is not you who speaks. After she was gone up, the ghost conversed with the company on several Go topics on, get. suited to authenticate her mission. Uh, likewise, Nellie spoke of her past life to others in an attempt to win over their belief. Quote, uh, she mentioned several incidents of her past life, known only to her husband, as he declared, and asked him if he remembered them. He said yes. She asked him if he had told them to anyone else. He said no. Mm-hmm. And of such nature were these incidents as to render it utterly improbable that he ever should have mentioned them before. So, you know, according to this dude, these are things that only he would know. Yeah. So. How's Nellie how, That's proof. Uh, she told, Ab- this is kind of weird. She told Abner Blaisdell that his father was in heaven praising God of the angels. It turns out that Abner's father had been sick, uh, lives in New York, uh-huh. and that seven days prior to this, unbeknownst to Abner at the time, 
uh, his father had died. He did? His family in New York hadn't been able to send the... The message hadn't re- been received uh-huh. until like several days afterwards. So the ghost somehow knew this before Adler even did. Hmm. Supposedly. Uh, the ghost would routinely invite people to stand as near as they pleased to her, to handle her if they wished, oh. and to not be afraid and to ask as many questions as they liked concerning her past life. Apparently responding to them all with satisfactory answers. As more and more people crammed into the cellar to speak with Nellie, more and more also spoke in hushed tones of the devilry coming from the bait from the cellar. But then, uh, as a kind of like answer for this, like to combat that, uh-huh. uh huh, she would begin. She became more religious. Like when the more talk of like this is the devil, this yeah. is the demon, she started being like super religious. Um, on the first of August, or sometime early in August. When a witness named Paul Simpson asked her if she loved Christ, she replied, yes, I do, and began singing Hallelujah, uh, which she would then continue on to do routinely. That would become part of her act. (laughs) Part of her act. (laughs) Uh, Sarah Simpson asked her if she came from happiness or misery. She replied, I am from above, and I come on God's message. And then she broke out into a chorus of more (laughs) Hallelujahs. Uh, she addressed the topic directly with a local skeptic who'd pre- who had proclaimed to many around the town that the spirit was the work of the devil. Quote, you have often said that I am a devil or a witch. She said while addressing him. Quote, I am from above, praising God and the Lamb. So she was just confronting skeptics yeah, at this point. Yeah, calling them out. Uh, by the night of August 9th, things were getting a little rough down in the Blaisdell basement. A large crowd had gathered, and many of them sought to confirm their belief that a fraud was being played out by the family. There was a lot of pushing and shoving, and several people took it upon themselves to impersonate the familiar knockings of Nellie Butler's ghost. This eventually led to the, uh, those people being removed of the situation by Abner. He's like a bouncer. <laughs> uh, You've been warm, buddy. So one skeptic, going back again to that Paul Simpson guy, he left disappointed that night after seeing... Um, Nothing, you know, there was nothing there. He didn't see anything. So he's a big skeptic. But as he walked home, however, he decided that his feeling of dissatisfaction would not go away unless he could uncover this this deception. He returned to the farmhouse, gained entry into the cellar by by Abner, uh, and was invited to light a candle and search until his heart's content. He gave the following account of his investigation. Quote, I came out last and was careful and watched, so that I was sure that no person went down. Also, the door was fast. Then again, we heard the sound of knocking. It was addressed, and conversation followed, in the midst of which Abner Blaisdell said to me, If you think any living person talks, go forward and grasp that person. I went forward a few steps, but was so convinced that nobody was there that I considered all further attempts as useless. So now, this like skeptics are just getting, like, their minds are being changed yeah. left and right. Just one by one, Nellie's working on him. And then he says that he saw the apparition of Nellie Butler. And he describes it in a pretty weird way. He says that the apparition at first was about two feet in height, but as it drew nearer to me, it appeared as tall as a person. I saw the appearance passing close by me from five or six times, changing heights every time. At last, it diminished about a foot in height and then vanished. So, I mean, that sounds like a projection. Yeah. But it's 1800. 
What are they? What are the? Is there a gas leak down there? Like I mean, I, I suppose they could have be, gas back there. They could have figured out some way to do this with mirrors. Yeah. Because I mean, that sounds like some sort of reflection, some sort of, like I said, a projection. Like you, the closer you get, the bigger. You know, the, and you can't touch it. Well, I mean, I guess yeah. you can't touch a ghost. Like, like basically, like holograms. That's a lot of ghost in there. That's what they're fucking doing. Nelly's doing. In eighteen hundred, she ain't resting none. <laughs> So things had finally reached ahead, and the people of Franklin and Sullivan were no longer speaking quietly. Divisions sprang as different sides of the argument uh, as to the veracity of the events were now outwardly spoken, and the events in the Blaisdell Cellar were the talk of the town. On the night of either the uh, 13th or 14th of August, 47 people gathered to see the spirit of Nellie Butler. Never one to let the people down, Nellie had something special arranged this night. Uh, She was seeking to end the voices of dissenters once and for all. At one o'clock in the morning, she commanded the congregation to march to a neighboring house belonging to one of the loudest skeptics in the village, uh, James Miller. The walk covered two miles, and in the journey, the group was ordered to file side by side in groups of two and sing the 84th Psalm as they walked. Nellie assured them that she would follow right behind them as they walked. Several witnesses claimed to have seen her walking with them as they marched through the night, while others saw nothing. Uh, when they reached well, James... there's no street lights back then, so... <laughs> there was gas lights, right? Yeah, lanterns. Probably had those. So when they reached James Miller's house, the crowd squeezed in through his front door uh, while Paul Blaisdell asked him if he would allow them into his cellar. He complied, and when he stood below in the cellar... Come on in, angry mob. The voice of Nellie Butler rang out around him. Quote, I have come to let you know that I can speak in this cellar as well as the other... <sighs> Are you convinced? He was. <laughs> he went outside and joined the group, the rest of the group. Easily uh, convinced. And they all stood out there waiting for the reappearance of Nellie. And she appeared. She commanded them to continue marching. She would walk. And now, so they're going back to the Blaisdell. Uh-huh. And this time she walked alongside Lydia at the head of the parade. Uh, and this, she said, would finally put an end to the, the talk that Lydia was... Lydia was the one behind this. Because, hey, I'm right here. Yeah. Lydia's here. Yeah, same place, same time. So then they went back to the Blaisdell uh, farm. And several people, including many of the skeptical, testified to seeing Lydia walk alongside the spirit. Following the parade, things began to settle down on the farm. But not before the ghost of Nellie Butler would command one last act. She ordered that her deceased child be dug up and reburied closer to her own grave on Butler Point. Why would they not marry him? So, again, that's so fucking weird. Yeah. Like, well, I guess you said she died a day later. But still, so, yeah. Like, <laughs> so like, where the fuck did you bury the baby? Yeah. Like, uh, she wanted them to be close together. That way they would be able to rise into heaven together on Judgment wow. Day. Over 80 people from four different towns gathered on the hillside to bear witness to the affair as the remains of the newborn were moved 30 feet up Butler's Point and buried next to Nellie Butler. Uh, for the most part, this ended the visitations for good. But there's one more twist coming. Uh. So throughout all of this shit, they after they've been married uh, in what, May, uh, so May or the end of May they were married, so uh-huh. June, July, through August. This is all you know, whatever. Um, we well, said they didn't really hear from her for a couple of months. So probably June, yeah. July, she wasn't around. So and... they settled into their married life. George uh-huh. and Lydia did. Uh, they moved in together, lived on Butler's Point in Franklin, and Lydia fell pregnant with their first child. Uh, who was expected to be born in March of 1801. The childbirth was not an easy one, 
and just as the fucking ghost said, neither Lydia, Lydia nor the baby survived. Uh. The Both were buried alongside Nellie and her child on Butler's Point. Then, shortly after the death, George Butler, unexplainably, put all of Lydia's belongings into, onto a boat and floated it off into the river, <laughs> set it on fire. Like a Viking, Viking funeral. Yeah, Viking funeral. Uh, the tides pulled the boat out across the bay, and it actually sailed right past the Blaisdell farm, who saw this as an affront to their daughter. This is super disrespectful. Yeah, burning all their stuff. They cut all ties with George, uh, or they would never forgive George for doing this. And it actually, this uh, split the local church. Like mm-hmm. it, uh, he was uh, no longer allowed in this church, and like half of the church thought that this was disrespectful, and something was up. The other half just thought he was he's grieving. Let whatever. him grieve. Yeah. yeah. There was an investigation into the whole thing. Uh, member, there were people in the church side with both Abner and George. Uh, George went on to marry a third woman named Mary. The couple had four children together. Oh, wow. Did she die after each one? She apparently was good. She was <laughs> good. Uh, Nellie appeared only once more, and this was to that evangelist, Abraham Cummings. Uh, he had not really been around for much of the events. He had been the one to come in later to gather all the testimonies. Yeah. And he was always, when he had been at the Blaisdell house before he was pretty unimpressed with everything like uh-huh. he didn't really see anything but when he returned to this town um and everybody was talking about it he had to do something so he collected all the eyewitness testimonies of local people he published them all in a collection of uh, letters and in 1806 um he had been alerted by two men that the specter had been seen that the ghost of nelly had been seen outside his house in the fields uh and this is what he wrote about that Looking toward an eminence 12 rods distance from the house, I don't know how 12 rods is, 12 (laughs) feet, 12 yards, 12 whatever, I saw there, as I supposed, one of the white rocks. This confirmed my opinion on the ghost, and I paid no more attention to it. Three minutes later, I accidentally looked in the same direction, and the white rock was in the air, its form a complete globe, white with with a tincture of red, and its diameter about two feet. While my eye was constantly upon it, I went on forward five or six steps. When it came to me from the distance of eleven rods, as quick as lightning, and instantly assumed a personal form with a female dress. I went into the house uh, to document the information, not doubting that Nellie Butler had come to spend some time with us before she left for good. We went out to see her again, but to my great disappointment, she had vanished. Ah. So... That's uh, why you see a ghost. You don't go back inside. You stay out there with the ghost. So, like, what the fuck happened? It's so long ago. They're supposedly... It's like 200... Over, like, 220 years yeah, ago. 1800. Yeah. And that's just, like... I could believe, like, maybe some of that happened. But, man, that's just... That's that crazy. That many people... Yeah. ...were willing to say that, yeah, this is... I, I mean, I think back then... I mean, people could buy into something. I got a lot of easier. Yeah, maybe people, yeah, they, they wanted to believe it. I think right. maybe that could be the case. Where, like, a couple people see it, you know, and they're so passionate about it. They're like, yeah, I see it, too. I see her. You see her? They're like, yeah, I, I, they want to see her. I don't know. I mean, the weird thing to like me. Like I said, I believe in that stuff. 
The weird but thing that's to me just is the, when I'm, there was the groups gathered in the cellar. Uh huh. And they would talk about how she would just sit and talk to them for like hours. Yeah. Like that's a weird fucking thing to like Why hasn't that stuff happened since with any other like right. ghosts, you know? So I don't know what you could like I don't know what because without really knowing more information I mean, you gotta remember that she was one of nine kids. Yep. Uh Lydia or Nellie was. Uh huh. But then Lydia had six siblings. So, I mean, it's not entirely impossible to think that, like, Lydia was actually super into marrying George, and she convinced her sisters or whatever to help her. Yeah. And that they were all kind of, like, in the cellar, in the dark. It could snowball and kind of... I don't know how you would fake the looking like Nellie. Yeah. Butler. Like, why would her father be like, yeah, I saw her? Unless he just really wanted to believe it. But, like, like how many people wanted to believe it that bad? I just... Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then for her to die, I mean, at the time, it's probably not unheard of that, like, you could probably bet Yeah, you'd have a 50-50 shot that they're going to die during childbirth. Yeah. Like, it's, you know. It's, it's probably what, it, yeah. It's not like now where, like, that's a more rare thing. Yeah, it's kind of routine and... Yeah. They didn't have quite the <laughs> medical advances back right. then, obviously. So I don't know. Weird fucking story, though. I don't know. Like, it's one of the... One of the more... I mean, it's documented by one guy. Yeah. To be fair, so you're well, taking the word of he's one an guy. evangelist. So maybe he made it all up to try to get you know, so he could take the other towns and make money off that story. And so people have went to uh, the location uh-huh. where this happened, and they have found graves for George Butler uh, and other people in the story. So it's like at least confirming that these people existed. Yeah. Kind of confirming it, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. So, I mean... so long ago. Definitely could just be this Abraham Cummings guy just making this shit all up. Uh, Maybe, like, it started with the little kernel of truth about hearing the knocking or... And then... Hearing the voice or something, and then he just takes it to what he wants it to be. Right. So, I don't know. It's a, I mean, it's a good story. They talk weird back then. They do. They talk a lot more than what they need to. Be like, yeah, I've seen her. Be like, she doubts come and settle before my gaze. And Yeah, I feel like <laughs> conversations back then had to just be fucking terrible. What else are they going to do? True. They're just like, come sit here with me in the same presence of the air that we breathe and lay your eyes upon me and let my words wash over your ear. Like, just come sit and talk, man. Do you think there's, like, one, like, back then, though, like, you know, there'd be some people that were, like, they'd want to say a bunch of things like that, but then, like, they'd be talking to somebody that, like, didn't have a lot to say, so, like, one person would spend five minutes saying something, (laughs) just, like, the other guy would be like, yeah, okay, I I hear you, man. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, that was the uh, story of America's first ghost. America's Uh, first ghost. It wouldn't be till later that I think they were... The name, I think it's the Fox sisters. I think they were the ones that kind of brought this. Was it'd be years later? Uh, they were the ones that brought the whole thing of like ghosts and hauntings mm-hmm. more to like mainstream because they were the ones that uh would do like seances and stuff. But they had a uh, they had their stuff rigged up to where like underneath the like the table, they, yeah, they could hit something, and it would so it wasn't real. They, yeah, put, like they, they ended up getting a... like debunked. But then they still then they try to like turn around and say that uh uh I forget like they said that they were they were faking it but 
only to make people believe because it is real. Like, yeah, like, yeah. But yeah, that like, but like this was the y'all first, got caught. This was like the first documentation of like a mass of people yeah. believing in a ghost story. Too bad they didn't have phones because then they could have called somebody. Who they gonna call? call? <laughs> awful. I'm mad. I played into that. Uh, yeah. Ghostbusters. Wow. Okay. So that's gonna be really loud when you're yep. listening. Wake up, people. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna be. Po- I meant to say this last episode. And I forgot. Uh, we'll be posting a new episode every other Monday. Yep. So two episodes a month or three, depending on when how the calendar goes. Some months are longer. Uh, we've got something cool coming up uh, at the end of October. For our October 26th episode, we've got something cool coming up for that one. Yep. Um, we started working on, well, continued working on <laughs> a project. Restarted. We started, months know, in, 14 months two ago. Two years ago? Yeah. Uh, was it not quite that long? I think I was living at the apartment, so it's been at least in the last 14 months. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think Part so. my house. I was definitely not, not married when we did that. I don't think. I don't remember. I don't know either. Uh, and plus, it was at the the newest gym, so it can't be. Yeah, it was at the old Bent Barbell Club. Yeah. Uh, so we, yeah, we started working on that last night. We uh, filmed some new stuff for it. Uh, I'm gonna be working on putting together like a little trailer this weekend. Yeah. Like a little something to post for everybody, but I think it's it's gonna be funny. I think. I think so. It was fun to do. We're gonna I... kind of uh, find the direction of it as we go. Yeah. Uh, we're just, we don't know what we're doing. I yeah. mean, you kind of do. We're just messing around. Not really. It's having fun. Yeah, it's something to do. Just something yeah. to, like, uh, there's been so many times throughout the, like, just throughout the years where I've had, like, uh, where I've, like, worried about something not being, like, perfect. Yeah. So then I just don't do it. But no, I'm just like, fuck, fuck perfect. let's just do some shit. Yeah. Like, let's just, yeah. Put shit out there. Yeah. I like to do more of that. I liked it. I liked the, uh, I went back and watched uh, the little music video that I was in for the Mega Plowers. Uh-huh. If you can Google Mega Plowers, and it's a, I don't know, it's like a music video, and it's I just, I like kind of acting, I guess. Right. You it's were, fun. You were in a movie. Yeah, I was in a movie. Stoner, you wrote the scene. Stoner number. I didn't write that scene. Oh, you didn't? Uh-uh. I thought you did. No. I uh, Stoner one, and she's so pretty too. Yeah. No, that's I didn't write that. Okay. Uh, I mostly wrote the stuff with uh, uh, Justin. Just, just take credit and Elvis's for it. Characters. Is mostly what I wrote, yeah. and then some stuff. That's with good the, stuff. With the uh, detective, uh-huh. some of his stuff. But yeah, I had a scene in that. Got to do a little bit of act. I, I hate to call it acting because I don't know. You I were just... playing yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I was like having fun. It's it a was good fun. scene. Though. It's a really good scene. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh... Yesterday was more of a character stuff that we were doing, so that was fun. Yeah. But... So I'll try to have something. Uh, we'll try to have something. Uh... About another year and a half. By the time we'll probably... you hear this, it'll be Monday. <laughs> yeah. Well, whenever you're listening to it. We'll be posting this on Monday the uh, 14th, and I will try to have something posted that week from what we did. That'd be awesome. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm excited for that. We'll be coming back in two weeks with a new episode. Two weeks. 14 days. And until then, uh, you got anything else? Keep it, Keep it mediocre, baby. Stay middle aged. If you're <laughs> stay there, middle stay aged. there. Don't age from nope. there. And if you're not there, hurry up and get there. Come on. Hurry up and age. Join us. Thanks. Yep. See you guys later.